20, the 15, the 10, he's got speed. He's going to the end zone. Touchdown, MSU. Dawson, out to Harris for a three ball. He got it. Kennedy looking, center shot. The Spartans are on their way to a win in the Rose Bowl. Completion. Live from Impact Studios, the only sports show from MSU campus. This is The Pack. And your host, Fino. That is right, your host, Fino, alongside. Welcome to The Pact. Yes. 701 Eastern Time, guys, and it's great being back on the Pact. Happy St. Patrick's Day to everyone. It is really special to be here on St. Patty's Day, um, a festival day here in college, but you know what? We're still doing Radio Faith. We're still doing the Pact, and it's really good to be here. Um, no Harry Jaden today, off on tennis duties. We understand there. The life of an athlete can get difficult at times. We understand. We wish the tennis team all the best, really. They've been struggling of late, Faith, but you know what? Some big games coming up for them, some crucial matches, so we wish the best to Harry Jaden as we say he's away on athletic duty. Um, Austin Goodman, unfortunately, is ill. He will not be here, so we wish him all the best uh, as well. But in the meantime, we do have Faith. We do have Lou behind the glass, and Faith, it is good to be here with you. It's great to be here with you, too. Uh, it's a blast. And Lou, how are you doing, bud? Pretty good. Oh, yeah. All right. So, guys, uh, really a lot of things to talk about today. Michigan State hockey, what it happened all season long with them, a struggling record, really. A 10-16-7 overall record has been an absolute struggle for the Michigan State hockey team. What about Coach Tom Anastas? Is he going to have a job at the end of the season? That's a question that needs to be answered, but according to a lot of other people, um, that have been receiving word, apparently Coach Anastas um, is favored to come back. So that's something we'll keep an eye on as the team continues to struggle, really. Uh, last weekend, Michigan, just a, you know, a struggle. Uh, it's just, it really has just been a struggle for the Spartans of late. Uh, it, not a good season, one to really forget about. And it's, it's a shame, Faith, because it's been the inaugural season of Big Ten hockey. So that's something we'll look at as well. That will take us midway through the show. And then we'll take a quick break at around 7.25. We come back at around 7.27. And we'll talk a little Detroit Red Wings. What's the deal with them? How will the Jerko injury affect the Wings going forward? That was a very youthful line. Now will it break up? More importantly, what's the impact Pavel Datsuk, Darren Helm, and Danny Cleary will have to this team? Does that mean they'll make the playoffs? That's something we'll talk about. Going forward with the results at hand, Will they make the playoffs? We don't know. We don't know. We know over spring break, uh, they split a series with the Devils. They're, you know, they lost a crucial game a couple games ago against Columbus, 4-1. to one. So when you look at it, the Wings are knotted up where they are in the standings. And look, the work is cut out for them. The playoffs is very possible. And all they need to do is just go out and win some games. And I think that's what it comes down to. They need solid goaltending and play some good games. That will take us around the second part of the show, and then we'll roll right in at around 7.49, and we'll have our little packed roundtable, or what's left, <laughs> uh, and talk about a little NBA playoff picture. Um, what's the deal with Detroit? Does the Pistons have enough to make it? I know a lot of Detroit sports here. Do the Pistons have enough to make it? 
uh, we'll find out. I mean, I think the Pistons are, you know, they control their own destiny, really. They're right there in the standings as well as, you know, in the Red Wings situation, they're right in there. So that's really what it comes down to. Their work is cut out for them, Faith. So the number is always to call in, guys. 517-432-3893 is our number. So feel free to call in and let us know what really you guys think if you want to be on the pack here on WDBM in the basement of Holden Hall. Guys, Cannot believe it is freezing again, but we bring in Faith and Lou. And guys, MSU Hockey, honestly, Faith, what is the deal with this team? Because I'm about to flip out because there's obviously something wrong. I mean, they're obviously on a losing streak. I mean, if you look at it, they've definitely got more losses than wins. And it seems like they're struggling definitely with their – they have a young team. So I think that's something that has been affecting them for the whole season. Yeah, they're a young team, but – Here's one, you know, I, I do see a young team. You lose the likes of a Tory Krug, who really is the nucleus of your team, and Bruins fan himself, Ludovizio. You see what Krug has done for the Bruins. I mean, right now, I believe he has 12 goals, and that's almost that's tied up with about Bobby Orr, or right one less than Bobby Orr for most goals in a rookie season for defensemen. So obviously, Tory's doing well, but Michigan State misses him. They absolutely do. He's actually got 13 now, so he's tied with Bobby, Bobby O. But, uh, you know, obviously Krug was a big loss. I don't think you can attribute everything to Krug because even when he was here, they weren't doing so great. But, I mean, they've kind of been an inconsistent team all year. I started the season earlier uh, covering hockey, actually, with David DeFever. Um, Feel free to check that out on Impact Sports' website Uh if you want a little throwback action there. But, uh I think it's it's just been a it's been a whole season thing, and even more than that, it's been an, a a few seasons that they really have kind of underperformed. And mm. now, obviously, their team this year has, is young. Everybody, no one really expected them to go and shoot the lights out. But when you see them play a team like Penn State, a team that has never had an NCAA hockey program before, and we tie them. It's it's pretty disappointing. The thing is with Penn State, though, if you look at the money invested into that program, they have a beautiful facility. Yeah, it but bo- you can throw money at whatever you want, and you're not going to make a hockey team. Well, no, but they had a very good club team. And with all due respect to Penn State University, Lou, they had a very good team. And on top of it, their club team was very formidable. So when you look at it, they had the resources. And though I know you, can, you can't throw money and make a team overnight, but when you put the resources into a team, the good players will flock to a program like that. There's no question about that. I agree to an extent, but the, the first season, I, I would say, you had to expect, and I, no one expected much out of them. And then, you know, MSU, it's just kind of – it just kind of shows you what's happening with them when they go out and tie a team like that. That now that wasn't uh, too. Lo- it wasn't too long ago. It wasn't uh, too recent either. But obviously, the most recent uh, games were the Michigan games, and you know that seven to one loss. That was. I mean, that was a terrible loss. What can you say yeah, about that? I mean, but then you know they come back and win three to. What was it? Four to three. Three to two. Yeah, it was four three. And it it, it just it leaves you scratching your head, just kind of like all season when. You know, they beat Minnesota early on in the season in a shootout, and then they come back and lose to them pretty badly. So you kind of you wonder where the consistency is. And at times you see wins like that, and you think maybe these, these kids are going to be real good next year. You know, a guy like William Hag or uh, Ferentino, you know, these are good players. Yeah, there's no doubt about that, that really when it comes down to it, you know, these guys are going to perform. 
But when the guys don't perform, you're really going to see it, Faith. I think they've struggled a lot on offense. I know they struggled with trying to find, in back in February, I know they were talking about how they were trying to find that front line, and especially they were all freshmen. So it was a little bit of a struggle to find who was going to score those goals for them. And they averaged 2.1 goals per game, and that stat ranks last in the Big Ten, November, uh, number 94 out of 95 teams. Yeah. Not, not, no, I mean, <laughs> go back, <laughs> 54 out of 59 teams. Right, right, correct. So you, you know what I'm seeing, Faith, is that, you know, Michigan State has so much, you know, you know, Faith, we're in there playing broomball, a basic story. Impact Sports listeners, we were in there and Impact, our station was playing broomball in there. And, you know, when you're on the ice, you can sense the nostalgia in that arena. And you can look around at the trophies at 2007 with Justin Abdelkader, and you can see what could, what has been in this program, what has been done. And when you look at that, and you look around, and you just observe it and soak that all in, it's actually it's actually quite incredible when you look and soak that in, and where that program was not even ten years ago. It's, it, I mean, yeah. obviously, when you look back, some. Great hockey players, great coaches. Uh, Mason, you know, best of all time. Uh, but, you know, it, it, the last few years it's kind of been on a downturn. And I don't know exactly where to attribute it. I think that obviously you can't look 100% away from the coaching position. They have to take most of the credit. But I also don't think that you can blame it all on Coach Tom Anastas. I think, no. I think that he, he kind of – he provides a good – team atmosphere and everything like that but at some point you got to start wondering when they're going to start winning some games that's my problem I understand he provides a great team atmosphere and you hear nothing but good things about coach Anastas but why is this guy a a shoe in as some people around the team and the media are saying uh, you know I'm certainly not saying it but why are people shooing this guy in for a job Why, why is that the case why are people so adamant about Tom Anastas retaining his job I'm just so baffled by it. He's made the NCAA tournament, what, once? And it was his first year. And it was a very unimpressive four seed in the NCAA tournament. Didn't really do anything. Didn't do anything with it. But I don't know. I was just super unimpressed with Coach Anastas thus far. And it's very tough to succeed a legendary coach as Rick Conley. I mean, he's only in his third season, though. I think that has to be taken into consideration. He does have a losing record overall. Which not good. No, of course not. He didn't really have any prior experience before coaching Michigan State. So I think people need to give him a little bit more time, I guess, especially with the young team. Yeah, there, there's no doubt about it. you got to give this guy more time. Fine. I understand where that, that argument, but at the same time, it's Michigan State now. Now, you look at Michigan State's facilities, I would argue that they're the worst in the Big Ten. Maybe that's why Mun Ice Arena is getting this massive overhaul. Because when you look at it, okay, I argue that they have the worst facilities in the Big Ten. This is now no more CCHA hockey, where Michigan State had a lot of credit, and they had a lot of credentials, and they've won a lot of awards, and they've won a lot of trophies. You look at the banners, and wow, they won the CCHA that amount amount of times, and they won the national title this amount of times. Lou, at the end of the day, I'm just super unimpressed. In the inaugural Big Ten season, to me, this team doesn't even have a chance of doing anything in the Big Ten tournament. Not even a chance. No, there's no question about that. I mean, when you look at the top, Minnesota and Michigan, obviously, uh, running away with it there. Minnesota, even more so. But, uh... I mean, when you you talk about Mun, I guess you brought that up. Uh-huh. 
I think the worst part about Mun, now I, I'm not an NCAA player, but having played on that ice, I really, I, I don't really like the quality of the ice. I don't, I don't, I can't exactly describe yeah, it. Yeah, no broom ball traction. <laughs> just. It, it's just not that great. And I know that out there on the benches also, they're kind of, they're kind of, they're just not in great condition. Okay, that's the fair. The boards, same kind of thing. So I, I'm happy to see some renovations coming in there. I mean, there need to be some renovations because I think at the end of the day, you look at all the sports that Michigan State is doing. Look at it. You look at what basketball is doing. You look at what the football team has done or is doing. You look at all the other programs that are the smaller sports on this, you know, in this university that have done something. Volleyball, very formidable season this year. Uh, field hockey, great season. Um, soccer, men's soccer, a great season going to the Elite Eight. So now you look at hockey, that's supposed to be one of the sports where people pay to attend the games. And fans or students pay to attend the games. And obviously fans have to pay. But when the students have to pay for a sport, there's going to be added pressure in my opinion. And they've done nothing to really – I understand that they're trying, but that only goes so far. When you're trying. So at the end of the day, to me, it's just not good enough. And something needs to be done. Something drastic needs to be done. And You know, you talk about the quality of ice, Lou. Now, let's take it from a fan perspective. The fan doesn't understand the quality of ice unless you are a player. But if you're a fan, you're looking at, okay, nothing too lucrative when I look at the stands. Nothing too crazy when I look at the Jumbotron. Nothing too crazy. Or what jumbo? You know what I'm saying? Like, nothing too crazy in all those atmospheres. So I'm looking at the amenities from a fan perspective, and there's nothing to gloat about when you look at Pagula Ice Arena, when you look at Oast, Yost over at the University of Michigan, when you look at the Kohl Center and uh, University of Wisconsin. Those are all first-class facilities, and Michigan State with a first-class history and a first-class program has nowhere near the same amenities and, and essentially or, uh, facilities as, those, as all those other universities. Just no chance. It's true. I think uh, you know the hockey team is kind of in the shadow of basketball and football in more ways than one. Financially, being one of those ways, but uh, you, you know, I know you say it time and again, Fino, that you always say that this is a basketball university. Yeah, even I do. Even with this uh, Rose Bowl victory, it's still the case. It's a basketball university, mm-hmm. and you know, if football comes second, then hockey is obviously a little bit down the list there. Oh, yeah, it's it's down the list, but the thing is you still live in a state where, you know, you, you know, you still live in a state, you still play in a state where hockey breeds culture. Hockey is second to none in people's opinion. You know, when you look at anyone, you ask them what their favorite sport is, most people will tell you hockey. And that just attributes to the passion of the game in this state. How many hockey players come out of the state of Michigan, you know, that play in the NHL? You can name a plethora. You know, so at the end of the day, you look at it and say, okay, it's down the list there. Yes, Michigan State is a basketball university, in my opinion. But at the end of the day, Lou, I'm looking at it and I say, Michigan State needs to step up their hockey game. 517-432-3893 is our number to call in. So, guys, feel free to wish us a happy St. Patrick's Day and call in. So that would be very nice. Hopefully you're not out there drinking a little green beer. Spend it with us this evening on the pack. Fate, what do you got? Well, I think going into the tournament, I think it's – you know, to, something to think about is who's going to be pl- being being goal is going to uh-huh. be Hildebrand or is going to be Yakin it, Yanakaf, uh-huh. <laughs> and because you know just just a few weekends ago 
Michigan State played U of M and they had a terrible loss, mm-hmm. what, seven to one. Mm-hmm. And Hildebrandt, who usually is in goal, was the one who let in five goals. And then Yanikef, yeah. And then Yanikef let in two. So going into the tournament, who will be the one to take that starting spot? I think that's a great question, Faith. To me, I think it's Hildebrand's job to lose because he's been the starter all year. You know, I, I, you know, we'll get Lou here in a second, but to me, you know, it's just kind of standard NHL. If your goalie's Jimmy Howard, he gives up four or five goals. You're just going to pull him because it's just not his night. I think that's what just it was for Shea. Yannickaf comes in the game, relieves him, still link, you know, still leaks in two. Whatever. I think that that just wasn't Michigan State's night. And I think if you're smart, you got to go with the hot hand. And right now, I think it's Shea Hildebrand, unless he tells you otherwise, Lou. Yeah, I think I think I agree with you. Hildy's definitely the guy to throw in there. He's been solid all year. He's kind of been the guy, even though you look at the record and it's not exactly no, it's not Sterling. He, but no, it, no. But it, you know, the reason that it's not a lot worse than it is is definitely Hildebrand. The reason that they won that game in a shootout against Minnesota. He played a tremendous game that game. Now that's looking pretty far back on the schedule. But you know, Hildebrand, I think he's he's a really good he's a really good prospect. And I say prospect because he's so young, you know, he's going to be here a sophomore. Bit. He's going to be here a couple more years and I I think you're right in saying that it's his job to lose and I think it'll be his job to lose each in the next 2 years. So I think you got to keep a keep the reins with him and you know, keep his confidence up because obviously this season is it's basically over as far as uh, you know where they're going to go. But I, I think you got to keep his confidence up for next year and the following year because if they're going to do anything within the next three years, I think he's going to be the guy leading the group. I mean, yeah, I mean, th- there's no doubt about it. And if you look at the you know the parallel of the numbers of Shea Hildebrand, you mentioned how he's a stellar prospect, Lou, and I 100% agree with you. When you look at him last year, so his freshman year, and then, you know, as a freshman, you're young, you're coming in, you know, there, you know there's high expectations, but, you know, 28 games started, you know, .929 save percentage, and a two three five goals against. Honorable mention, all CCA, rookie team member, you know, had at least 20, this is my favorite stat about his last season, and you don't see it this year, 27 saves in 22 of his 28 starts, and allowed two goals or fewer in 17 games last year. You know, in a conference record of a, or I'm sorry, a conference GAA goals against average of a 2.24. So you can see that when the games mattered in conference, he elevated his play. This year, you don't see that. Is that because the Big Ten? Is that because there's more quality opponents? I think it's the same amount of opponents that you're playing in the CCHA and you're playing in the Big Ten. Are you playing these teams more often? Is, is that attributing to a struggle? Is it a sophomore slump? How many times have we heard that? So I think at the end of the day, I think this is an aberration of a year for Shea Hildebrand. Or Jake Hildebrand, I'm sorry, Shea, I'm a thinking Mets. But um, for Jake Hildebrand, I think it is a struggle for the in a sophomore slump. But at the end of the day, Lou, I think he's your guy. You go with him, and anything else is going to shatter this kid's confidence without a doubt. I think so. I think he's still young, and I think, you know, as terrible as the rest of the team's been, how you, how you can't just pin it on him and then completely shatter him like that. So... I think uh, you know. I, I you mentioned the competition in the Big Ten. If it's changed at all, I don't. I don't think that it's really changed much, as far as quality of competition. Obviously, uh-huh. you know the teams that they see more often than not; those are switched up a little bit. But you still see some of the same guys, like Minnesota, like Michigan, you know, Ohio like Wisconsin, State. Ohio State. You know, you're not seeing as much in Notre Dame or anything like that. But you know, it's it's 
still about the same level of competition. So I don't think you, you can attribute any of those changes in numbers to that. Right, right. I, I'm just saying is the reason why I, 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 you know, I mentioned the change of competition is because you're, you know, you're playing these teams, these these Big Ten teams, obviously more often because there's not look the Big Ten. If you're not, if you're unfamiliar with Big Ten hockey, there's no, every team that is in the Big Ten currently does not. They do not all have an ice hockey team. So that being said, the big six as far as hockey. Goes. Yeah, exactly. The big six as far as there's only six teams that are in the Big Ten that have Big Ten hockey. So when you look at it, I mean, it's great that the Big Ten now has an established hockey conference. I think it's great for the sport. There's no doubt about it. But at the end of the day, they're not playing like Indiana in hockey. They're not playing Northwesterns in hockey. They're not doing that. You know, Lou mentioned it. They're playing the Minnesotas. They're playing the Wisconsins. They're playing the Ohio States. They're playing the Michigans. They're playing the Penn States. And these teams are very good. When you go Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Minnesota, Ohio State, Penn State, Wisconsin, that stretch is brutal. That stretch is completely brutal. And I think when you look at the loss, you know, the point where you look at it for Michigan State was, look, I'm very shocked that they didn't win all their games against Penn State. Now, I know I'm nitpicking. They won three out of four. They tied one. But to me, those are wins. I was going to say points. But those are wins you got to pick up when you're not winning games against Ohio State, when you're not winning games against Minnesotas, when you're not winning games against Wisconsin's and Michigan's, which teams are that are quality. But to me... Anywhere near Yost is just a joke because Michigan State is going to get launched. They've only played once there, and they've gotten launched, 7-1. So when you look at it, I don't know. I need, a, I need to see something more from Michigan State next season. And, you know, it's a learning experience because when you go 4-8-6 and six in conference, that to me is something you asterisk. You're not winning in your conference. And then when you look at the away record, to me, Michigan State couldn't save their life on the road if they tried with the one ten and three record on the road. That's atrocious. That's not getting one win on the road all season long. I mean, seriously. So when you look at that, okay, neutral ice one one and one. When you look at their home record eight five and three, you look at their splits, and you can asterisk and mark. Okay, what do we need to improve on? At home, we get the wins we need. Eight, five, and three, fine, respectable. On um, on the road, it's just terrible. And then in conference, it's not terrible, but it's not amazing. It's I would argue that it's bad, not terrible. Four, eight, and six. So Lou, when you you know, and Faith, when you guys break this down, to me, it's cut and dry what you expect from the hockey team. They're young. I get it. The coach is developing contract year, but you would think you want to want to play a little harder for your coach. And they're not doing that. And you look at it and say, they can't play on the road. They can't skate uh, in conference if they tried. Their legs, they got to get their legs underneath them because they're not really hustling in the games that they lose. It's almost like they give up. And to me, it's the writing on the wall for Michigan State. They're not performing when they need to. And you know what? That's the way the cookie crumbles. And it's a famous expression my mother used to always tell me is you make the, the bed that you lay in. And this is the hole, and they're laying in it. So that's, you know what? That's that for Michigan State is what could have been and what can they improve on. That road record is pretty appalling. It's appalling. Uh, it, it, it's really it's bad. appalling. But, uh, you know. Need a thesaurus. So I think that, 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 you know, that's something that you can point at Anastas a little bit on. You know, why aren't you getting your team up for these games in a different environment? You know, Mun, now you say that it's one of the. Uh, worst facilities in the Big Ten, with, with which I agree with. But 
you know, at the same time, it's it's still kind of like a homey place for these guys. They get there, they're comfortable, and you know that eight five and three record, like you mentioned, that's 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 a show of that. But when you get on the road, you know, you have to be able to perform in environments that you're not familiar or comfortable in. And you're right; it's not just it's not just from a scoring standpoint. It's from an effort level, and it seems when they get on the road, their effort just kind of drops, and it's kind of scary. I remember earlier in the year. Uh, they traveled out to Michigan Tech, and this was when Michigan Tech was at one six and one. Now that was at the time that wasn't a really telling record for mm-hmm. Michigan Tech because they had played some tough teams and they were off to a rough start. But we go up there, Michigan State goes up there, and you know they, they, they get, get swept. they get run over, yeah, and, they get swept, and it was all from an effort level. You know, it wasn't because they went out there and they were trying, they were throwing everything but the kitchen sink at the net. You know, they they were hardly around the net. They couldn't do much anything. Their legs weren't moving. So it's really, it's it's kind of, it's unnerving to see the way that they perform on the road, I guess. It's, it's you know, just to wrap this one up, it's actually ridiculous when you look at it. But look, when you look at the early part of their schedule, and FYI, if you're not an avid Michigan State hockey fan, the season starts, it started against UMass on these, on October, what is it, October, okay, October 18th. They did not win their first road game. Okay, until a true road game. Okay, until, you know, you can argue that they didn't win it because they beat Michigan at Comerica Park at the Great Lakes Invitational. They didn't win a true road game until Penn State. February 15th. That's the first time they won a true road game. And that's, and I'm not talking ties. I'm talking an actual win. So if that doesn't cut, if that doesn't cut the story for you, I don't know what does. We'll take a quick break here on the Pact. We're talking Detroit Red Wings. We switch now to the pro level when we come back on the other side of the break. Fino Faith and Lou alongside here. 517-432-3893 is the number. Guys, feel free to call whenever you want here on the Pact. It's WDBM. You're listening to the Pact on 88.9 FM. WDBM East Lansing. For some high school students, school can be a dangerous place. A lot of gamers look at you as a game member, too. For some, just being in school can be a struggle. I wouldn't go to school. I didn't care about what my mom said. My mom would tell me, like, what are you doing for yourself? You're not doing nothing. But despite all the obstacles, inside every high school student is a graduate. People look down on you if you don't have a diploma. I want to graduate because they say I won't. Go to BoostUp.org and find out how you can help a friend, a son, a daughter finish high school. BoostUp.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight, the Impact's Progressive Torch and Twang brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to coverage of Spartan sports like never before as we embrace the Spartan debate here on The Pack. What is up, everyone? Fino alongside on the pack. Thanks, Lou, for the intro, as always. Lou behind the glass. Faith alongside with Fino here. Guys, I'm feeling pretty nostalgic. It's got that, for you, core packed and Spartan sports rap fans. Guys, it feels like Spartan sports rap with Alex Sharg. Just, you know, a couple people in the studio. Alex going back and forth. Good friend of mine, Alex. It's always good. So a little shout-out to him. Feeling a little nostalgic here on this St. Patrick's Day Monday evening. But, guys, the thing is that's more importantly – you know, when you look at it, you know, we talked about Michigan State hockey. You know, they're struggling. 
But Faith, the Red Wings, to me, have been the biggest disappointment in the NHL. And, you know, everyone knows I'm not a Detroit Red Wings fan. I'm not, you know, whatever. I'm not a core Michigan fan. I am not from the state of Michigan. I'm just clarifying that for you first-timers. But look, when you look at it, to me, the Detroit Red Wings season has been such a disappointment, Faith. And I've been a broken record in saying it and saying it and saying it. But when it really comes down to it, you look at it and you say, look, the Red Wings are the Red Wings. And everyone's like, ah, they'll be fine. 22 straight playoff appearances. But right now, I think the old stick is getting a little rusty, as my grandfather used to say. Basically saying that, guys, you know, it's got to start some, You know, it's got to stop somewhere. It's got to stop. And when you look at it, look, the Red Wings have made the playoff for so many years. Are they bound for a missed season? I mean, are they? And I realistically think they, they are headed down that path. You know, people, so many Wings fans, you know, told me, ah, Fino, it's going to be so easy. It's going to be so easy going to the Eastern Conference. Less competition, not top-heavy at all, lesser opponents. Well, yeah, lesser opponents, not so much. I would argue that the Eastern Conference, Lou, is more competitive than the Western Conference because it is not as top-heavy. And you look at the fruition of some new teams. Columbus isn't the same old Columbus that Detroit used to be in the same division with a couple years ago. That team is serious. That team is playing. And it showed it a couple of days ago when Columbus or Detroit went into Columbus, a nationwide arena, and they looked absolutely terrible. And it shows that the Eastern Conference, to me, is 100% more competitive than the Western Conference. And if anyone disagrees with that statement, feel free for whatever holds your peace, please. I don't know if I can agree with that statement. I'm All right, why go not? Ahead and say that. <laughs> uh, you know, when you look at top heavy, the East, I think, is the definition of top heavy because you got Boston and Pittsburgh that's at the it. top. And that is, the, I mean, that's, that's what top heavy is. You got the top. I understand. When you look at the West, you have five teams that are, you know, pretty close you know you can compare them pretty well uh looking at st louis anaheim colorado san jose chicago and then maybe even throw la in there but then you got guys hovering around six through 11 that are you know neck and neck almost and you look at the east and it's kind of around the same thing but you know they're lower lower point totals and you know these are teams that they're not as competitive you know toronto is sitting at three in the east toronto just went out west played San Jose, got dumped on. And last time they went earlier in the year, got dumped on because they're not used to they're not used to playing Western Conference teams. You know, they're not used to that compete level. Right. So I mean, there's no, my look, argument. Look, look, no, no. And I disagree. Because when you look at okay, Pittsburgh and Boston are two great teams in the East. Okay, fine. But when you look at Toronto, it's sitting at seventy eight points. And then when you look at Ottawa sitting at sixty eight points, you have nine teams separated by ten points. That is incredible. When you look at the West, okay, St. Louis, 95 points. Okay, they're sitting way at the top. And then you look at, okay, one through five, Chicago, they're sitting five points between them. And then there's a massive gap. You have eight points just between the fifth and the sixth seed in the West when you have 10 points are separated by nine teams in the East. So the definition of top heavy, I would argue, is the Western Conference because the East is just more exciting. It's a different style of play, physical, you know, really in your face, 
you know, hard checks, don't make dumb penalties, you will pay for it. But And the Red Wings are just right in the middle of that. Two points out looking in. And I think that's what it comes down to, Lou, is the East is just way more competitive because at the West, everyone takes care of business. And the East, it's just everyone kicks himself in the face. I think that, and that shows. You look at Toronto, they're sitting at three, 78 points, and they're, they, have negative, they have a negative goal differential. I mean, it's that's disgusting. A, I mean, you see what I'm saying? If you look in the West, you you don't get a negative goal differential till the ninth seed in Phoenix. So it's just. I, I guess that's where my argue of competitiveness comes in because I understand the the parity from three all the way down to about twelve okay. in the East. You know, I understand that, but you know, when you look at those top two teams that are head and shoulders above everybody else, you know, those are the only two teams that could succeed in the Western Conference right now, you know, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, but then when you look out West and I look at a team like Dallas, you know, Dallas sitting in that A spot, they just won in overtime against St. Louis. You know, this is a pretty quality team, and I think if given the season that they've had, if you throw them into the Eastern Conference, I think they would have succeeded much better. But, you know, then again, everybody said that about Detroit, and it didn't happen. So, you know, I guess I guess it's just kind of it's, – it's not easy to compare the two. I mean, I get it. But now let's bring in Detroit Red Wings in this one, Faith. When, you know, I understand there's a lot of Wings fans. You know how many Wings fans, though? And I just need to get this off my chest, please. How many Wings fans came up to me? Forget the, forget the result against New Jersey. Please save it. But when it comes down to it, so many Wings fans came up to me and they're like, you know what, Fino, when we're going into the East, it's going to be an easier conference. You got not as quality teams. You got teams like the Rangers. You got teams like Columbus. We used to kill Columbus all the time. They didn't talk like that because they're not from Jersey. But the thing is, you looked at it, Faith, and everyone thought it was going to be way easier for this Red Wings team, and it has not been. No, they've struggled, definitely. And I think that does have to be attributed to the injuries. And I know I bring that up about Michigan State basketball and all these other Uh sports, but really, like, Injuries have plagued the Red Wings. I mean, Anderson is out with a fractured foot now, and he's joining all the other centers like Detsuk, Weiss, Helm, and they're all out, and that like ruins so many goals right there. I mean, I mean, you you, you mentioned it, Faith. The goals. When was the last time the Red Wings had a negative goal differential this late in the season? They've only had 172 goals for, like 170 something goals for. I mean, that's so uncharacteristic for Detroit. It's ridiculous. And Fate mentioned it, guys. Look, you look at it, it's the injuries. And I understand, you know, hockey is different because, in, you know, all pro sports are different because you're dealt with a salary cap, except for baseball. You're dealt with a salary cap and there's a roster limit. Now, with college sports, you recruit those guys and those guys need to come together as a cohesive unit. They're not getting paid. So, you know, it, it, you look at an injury in the college frame as a misfortune. In the NBA or the NHL or the NFL, now here for the NHL, you look at it as, yes, a misfortune, but there's nothing you can do. And at the same time, you have to be prepared for that. You need to understand that. The injuries do occur. And, Faith, you said it, the testament of scoring for the Red Wings has been atrocious. They haven't been scoring, and they need guys to step up. That's why that game Nyquist had, that Nyquist line against New Jersey, they had like 11 points. That line had like 11 points. And I think that's what you need guys to step up and play. I think that's what it comes down to is these guys need to step up and play. And then when you look at it, when those guys don't step up and play, look, that's what matters to me is 
you need to get these guys to absolutely understand the scenario. You're playing without your captain. You're playing without your alternate captain. You're arguably playing without your two best players. You just re- re- uh, retired a Hall of Famer, Nicholas Lindstrom. So you're trying to fill that void defensively. You're doing whatever you can. You need the likes of Franz in and just now Jericho, but he's out. And these guys to step up and play, and they're not stepping up. In my opinion, you need to see more from these guys. that You've invested so much money in the Jimmy Howards, the Johan Franzens, the guys that you've invested you know, a good portion of your, your payroll and your salary cap to, to step up and elevate hockey and play better hockey, period. I, th- I, I think, obviously, I mean, we talk about it with MSU basketball. You know, injuries, they are kind of an excuse. And, I mean, it is an excuse. But I, I just want to bring up, Faith mentioned it, where these injuries have happened, and it's been down the middle. And when that happens, if you want to have a successful hockey team, you have to be strong down the middle. That is, I mean, you can throw pieces on the wings as far as I'm concerned, but if you have great players like Datsuk and Zetterberg down the middle who are you know, right up there with the top two centers in the NHL, uh, it, you, can't, you can't discount that. And, uh-huh. so, you know, and that comes, that, that attrib- you can attribute that to some of the, the troubles with the goal differential, you know, negative 11. It, you know, from last season almost, chop off 30 goals for the goals for, throw them on goals against. You know, that's kind of how it's been because of that two-way pressure that, you know, having guys like Datsuk and Zetterberg out of the lineup, it's not there. You know, and you can have these young kids come in and say, you know, they have to step up, but, you know, they're not Datsuk, they're not Zetterberg. And so when you don't have guys who can, you know, create plays like these guys, and also I also want to talk about the defensive end because injuries have riddled the middle, but then when you came into a season when you knew that your D was weaker than it ever had been before as far as puck movement goes, as far as actual defensive ability goes, and then you lose your most defensive forward position, everybody from it. I mean, Datsuk, Zetterberg, Helm, what can you do? I mean, there's your top three centers, gone. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt you mentioned it, you know, Anderson, gone, Datsuk, gone, uh, you know, Helm, gone. Your top three centers are out. But you know what? At the at the end of the day, I get it. I mean, maybe I'm just not maybe I'm just not being as sympathetic as I should be. But I maybe I just have this standard for the Red Wings that certain fans don't do. And I, you know what? Yeah, I, I view injuries as an excuse. But at the end of the day, I view it all as just a lack of performance and hustle because you know what you don't have. Go out and get it. Go out and play for these guys. When Pavel Datsuk, how many times have you heard that guy is the best two way player in the NHL? I've heard it so many times that if I had a dollar, I'd be loaded. So at the end of the day, when you look at it, you got to play for these guys. You got to play for them hard because when Datsuk and Helm and, you know, the Yurkos, you know, uh, the just, you know, the Andersons, as Faith mentioned, when all these guys come back to Danny Cleary's, it's gonna, they're going to feel like acquisitions made at the trade deadline. So you're going to use that, and you're going to have to springboard yourself into getting ready. But I've heard from so many people – Oh, Fino, don't worry. They'll be ready to go for the playoffs. And I want to play that Jim Moore thing. It's like, playoffs? Like, what playoffs? We just trying to win a game. Like, that's when they just trying to win a game, Faith. I mean, after this weekend, the Red Wings have 10 back-to-back games against teams who are in playoff position. So, and only four of them are, they're playing teams that are out of the playoffs. So, they know what's on the line. They know what they have to do in order to get there. It's just a matter of, can they do it? I mean, you look at the matches they have at home in March coming up. You know, you mentioned they have Tuesday, tomorrow, against the Maple Leafs. You have uh, the Minnesota Wild on the 23rd. 
Thursday, 27th of March, you have the Canadiens. You have, you know, the 20th, Thursday. Um, I know I'm going back and forth. You have Pittsburgh. And then you have the thir- the Latin one, the last day of the month, you play Tampa Bay. One, two, five of those teams just at the Joe are in the playoffs. All from, or all but one, in the Eastern Conference. So that is an opportunity at home to pick up and get points. Because, you know, when I'm looking at Detroit, is for me, I see a team that, again, for some reason, is just struggling at home. At the Joe, which has been a fortress for them, they are 12, right, you know, they are they have 12 wins at home versus 17 on the road. 11, just the amount of overtime losses is nauseating. They're 4-8 in a shootout. At least they're not as bad as New Jersey. Only team that has not won a shootout in the NHL. So when you look at it, they've been nauseating at home. I just listed out the games at home that Detroit has. And if they can win those games at home, just at home, I'm not even mentioning the road games because they do well on the road, they will take care of business. And then their performance will speak for themselves. It would straight up speak for themselves. Uh, you know, you brought up the shootout losses and OT losses. When you it's, look at that 13 there in the in that third column there in the wins, that's 13 potential points. That's yeah. 13 potential points, you know, and take half of that even. And you they look how high Detroit would be. They'd be sitting in four at mm. least, you know, and, and it really is. It, it's pretty disgusting. And I, I, I'm just going to take this opportunity to bag on the shootout a little bit. Obviously okay. – uh, you know, it, it, kind of picking my spot here because they're doing so poorly. But I really do not think that a shootout is the way to decide games. It, it, and I know the GM meetings happened in Florida recently. Uh-huh. They said that they're going to bring up changes to uh, overtime, extra time rules, so that they can have a little bit more of a competitive feel for that extra point that means so much. You know, you throw three guys on the ice, it's not hockey. It's a show. It's a gimmick. And I think for teams like Detroit, like other teams in the past, like uh, I'm sure you're familiar with this one. It was out east, uh, Philly, New mm. York, a few years ago when that playoff spot came down to a shootout. You know, th- that so. shouldn't happen. That shouldn't happen no. because it's not hockey. But here's the thing, Lou, if I can cut you off, bro. The thing is with that is the reason why they added the shootout was because the NHL, you know it, but I'm just preaching it to our listeners. They were coming off a lockout season and they needed to do something to reinvigorate the NHL fan base. And you said it. It's a show, the shootout. And you can't argue that. I know we're on the pack. We're embracing the Spartan debate. But there's no embracing that because that is a show. That, that, that is a spectacle of the NHL. You look at the Olympics when you had one guy over and over again. It was the TJ Oshie show. And because of his Olympic performance, look, he's getting deals with Enterprise. So you look at it. It's, it is a show. And that's exactly what the shootout is. Do I agree that's the way to decide that one crucial point? No, I don't. Because when you look at it, Detroit is tied in the Eastern Conference with the most overtime losses. Who are they tied with? Well, ironically, they're tied with New Jersey. So when you look at it, they let up or they've given up, you want to argue, the most amount of potential points in the Eastern Conference. They are set tied for second in the NHL overall for most overtime losses. First team, ironically, is this. It's Chicago with 14. But when you look at it, look, I look at it like this, okay? Detroit is giving up points when they should, should not. And you know what? Is the shootout one to blame? Look, maybe, but those are the rules. Are they going to change them? You know, God, I hope so. But at the end of the day, it's not. This is what it is. 
And you know what? You got to go into that shootout and win. Hence, I know I keep bringing them up, but that's why my Devils have 13 overtime losses because they are 0-8 in a shootout. When you haven't won one shootout all season, they're the only team in the NHL not to win a shootout. I mean, that's I mean that's something. But that just shows you. Look, those are the rules, Lou. You got to go out and get those points. I know, but it, it but it, I feel like it would be really tough as a coach to go into your locker room. Let's take New Jersey just because it is such. It has been so bad. Zero and eight. How can you be mad at your team at the end of a game and say, God? three players you were really terrible out there in the shootout let's go out and practice and work on the shootout like which they what do can, i know but what <laughs> you, you can't it's stupid you know it's stupid that eight points are hung on that and i'm going to take another opportunity to bag on the maple leafs okay. you know nine and four in the shootout way to go leafs I mean, you know, that is, you're sitting that in three. The, Have fun in the playoffs. Because I tell you, this the, is that is the biggest Bruins bias I've, if I've ever well, heard one. Well, I hate Montreal even more, but I mean Toronto. Look at nine and four. You know. I mean, because they got skilled guys up front. Like I said, have fun in the playoffs. Like I said, but Luke, good for them. They're going out and getting the points, and you know, good for them. Exactly. They're, they're out. They're out there getting it done. Yeah. And you know what? They're getting it done. So when you look at it, look. Do we agree with the rules? No. But you know what? That's as a coach, Luke. You have to make the adjustments. Who looks good in practice? Who is good in a breakaway? And you'd be baffled with the guys that were selected. Ilya Kovalchuk can be. You know, I bring him up, even though I cannot stand him. You look at him, and you know, in a shootout, he was very good. But in the NHL game, he could get lost, or he can dominate. So when when I looked at it, and I said, okay, the Devils need Ilya Kovalchuk to score shootout goals and win the game. Because if not, guess what? They're not going to win a game. And hence, maybe that's why they haven't won a shootout, a shootout all season. But when you look at it, Lou, and you dissect it, Faith... It comes down to Detroit needs to start winning games. And if that means winning shootouts, that means winning shootouts, period. And I think it's, you know, there's there's no argument. Closing thoughts, Dave. Well, I was going to ask you guys, how many points do you think is the minimum that the Red Wings need in order to make? The playoffs? Yes. Well, go figure that there, obviously there's 82 games in a season. Yes. They've played 65. So you do the math right there. They're sitting pretty at, you know, low 70s right now. When it comes down to it, I think Detroit needs to get at least at least 15 more points. I think they need to get to like 94. That's a lot. And I don't think I don't think it'll take 94. I think it's going to be right around 90 points. I think yeah. That, I think uh, out west it's probably going to be closer to 94 but yeah, east out, right around 90. Yeah. That that faith I totally agree with that assessment if you're looking at the west. But yeah. I think when it comes down to the Eastern Conference, my opinion, Detroit needs to flirt with around 88 points to make the playoffs for the 23rd straight season. We'll take a quick break here on the pack on WDBM. When we come back, we're talking Pistons. What is the mess? We'll talk Cameron Billis's article for Impact Sports. He mentioned that the, uh, that the Pistons need to start tanking it. I need to get something off my chest. We'll be back after the break. You're listening to the Packs on 88.9 FM, WDBM, East Lansing. Smoking Helpline. Yes, I need to start smoking right away. Excuse me? I need to start smoking. Well, actually, it's the Stop Smoking Helpline. The people in the apartment next to mine smoke three packs a day, and it drives me crazy. So I'm thinking four packs will do it. I think you want MySmokeFreeApartment.org. It gives you the information you need to work toward a smoke-free apartment building. A smoke-free building. Without all that smoking. Uh, yeah, that's right. Make your apartment smoke-free without making a stink. 
mysmokefreeapartment.org. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Wednesday nights from 8 until midnight, it's the Impact's Accidental Blues, your source for great blues music, news, and concert information. Only on Impact Primetime. Hola, my name is Esperanza. After a tragic incident, I was forced from a life of riches in Mexico to a life of poverty in the United States. My mother has become ill and we have become separated from our family. Now I must work for both of us to try to bring the rest of our family together. My name is Esperanza and I am trying to survive. Explore new worlds. Read my story in the novel Esperanza Rising by Pam Muñoz Ryan. For other great book ideas, visit your local library or log on to literacy.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. And now back to the Pact here on 88.9 FM. That is right, everyone. We're back to the Pact. Your host, Fina, along with Faith and Lou behind the glass. Happy St. Patrick's Day again as we approach 749 Eastern time and it loads into the evening. So wind down with your St. Patrick's Day, everyone, and tune in with us here or call in even. 517-432-3893 is our number. So feel free to call in and express thoughts on a variety of sports topics. But I did mention something you know, going into the break that I just got to get off my chest real quick, guys. And it's um, one of our own staffers here at WDBM. His name is Cameron Billis, the host of our podcast on Impact Sports called Horsepower. But it wasn't his podcast that really kind of kind of turned me off. It was an article that he wrote. And I was actually, a, you know, I love Cameron's work, but I was just so appalled by what I read. And it said the Pistons need to start tanking. And I don't know how you guys feel. I think there's no – it happens, but to me, there's no place in athletics for tanking. And what really just tweaks and, you know, just turns me off again on, on another level is it's the NBA. There's a lottery system. Okay, if you tank in the NFL, you're, like, guaranteed that position. In the NBA, there's no guaranteeing that position. Do you understand? Does everyone understand that concept? So – you can tank, you can have the best chances to win the number one overall pick. But guys, do we remember when the Bulls, and I love bringing this example up, and how they landed Derrick Rose. The Heat by far that season had the worst record. Two top pot prospects were coming out of college. It was Derrick Rose coming out of Memphis and Michael Beasley coming out of Kansas State. Two by far, the you know Michael Beasley, who's been up and down was a walking double-double, and Derrick Rose was the definition of clutch and a great facilitator with the basketball. But guys, Chicago that season, I think, was like about four or five or maybe even six games under 500 just to miss the playoffs, therefore being eligible for the lottery. They had about like enorm- enormously, I know, oxymoron, enormously small, but they had no very slim odds to win the lottery, and they and they won the lottery. They got the number one overall pick. The Heat won 15 games that year and had the second overall pick. Pick Michael Beasley. The Heat wanted um, the Heat wanted Derrick Rose, but it didn't matter because the Bulls got the number one overall pick and picked Derrick Rose. Obviously, he has what he has, but he's been nothing but a star player barring his injuries. So he wrote an article about tanking. To me, that there's no guarantee. There's no guarantee of that. I think it's a joke that there's absolutely no guarantee of them tanking. So to me, if I'm Detroit, 
I go out and win the game, guys. I go out and win games, Faith, because when you look at the playoff picture, if you haven't, please take a look. The East is so intriguing. Detroit is sitting three and a half games out of making a playoff position. Atlanta is 27 and 35 currently. They're three and a half point games out. Detroit is is under 500. But look, if you're the Pistons, the playoffs are not enormously out of reach. And Charlotte, that team was playing so terribly, but that team has turned it around. They're sitting pretty at seven. Look at Brooklyn, guys. Brooklyn is three and zero against Miami this year, and that team was struggling up and down the Jason Kidd saga. Guys, play the games. You never know what happens. You never know what happens. I definitely don't agree with the tanking. I definitely think play the games, finish the season, try your best. I mean, I don't understand why I don't see it. But whatever. I mean, I don't see it. I mean, the East is so up in the air that, I mean, 54 or 64 games have been played through the NBA season around. Okay. Or Indiana has played around that amount of games. Them and Miami, one number one and two, Miami sitting at a two seed. Guys. They've clinched the playoffs already in the East. No one in the West has clinched the playoffs yet. Because the West, you actually have to be above 500. Look at Phoenix. Phoenix is pretty above 500, around 8, 10 games above 500. And they're on the outside looking in. So when you look at teams in the East already clinching the playoffs this early in the season, hence the NBA has the same amount of games than the NHL does or do, 82 games. And the Pistons have a legitimate chance. And we're talking about tanking? We're not talking about winning the actual game. We're talking about tanking. I've never been more appalled in my life, Lou. You know, when let me chime in on the tanking thing. I, I agree with both of you uh, that you know it, there's no place for it, as far as I'm concerned. And I and I don't care about the lottery thing. You know, obviously you. The, it's a dumb the, system, the, but it is what it is. That doesn't have any. It doesn't play into this argument at all as far as I'm concerned because obviously the more you lose, the more lottery picks you get or chances to win the lottery you get. All right, so, you know, your chances are still in your favor. But when you look at the game, like, look at, you know, I'm more familiar with the NHL, but let's look at a team like the Edmonton Oilers, you know. I I brought this up before in Uh in these debates. But they, I don't know that they've intentionally tanked, but they have – intentionally or not they've been last in the NHL for a significant number of years they've had two number one draft picks back to back and look at where they are again in the running again for another number one draft pick and it's going to be the same way because they promote losing every year like that promotes a culture of losing you know you're not going to pick up a number one draft pick and then all of a sudden rise to the top It, it, it doesn't happen that way I mean, it's not how you build a team. I, I you mean, can't you can't just sully your veterans like that because that, that's what happens. You know they become used to losing, and then when you pick up a number one draft pick, they sit there for a while. And, you know they lose, they lose, they lose, and then that gets ingrained in their brain, and that's just how it happens. You can, and if you tell them, you know, go out and lose, you know, maybe we'll get a good guy. When it, when in the season does that thought start to kick into your head? Is it late? Is it midway? Is it a little bit early? You know, you lose five games in a row. Oh, you know, maybe we're gonna tank it. You know, when does it stop? So that's I mean, all I got to say yeah, about I mean, that. I mean, and look, you're right. And you look at, and I'll bring up Edmonton real quick here. When you look at Edmonton, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Taylor Hall, Jordan Eberle, Ryan Smith now back with them. They have stars on stars. And, you know, Lou's like, they're in the, they're in the yeah, running. Yakupov, too, another yep, one of those yep, first rounders. Yep, I totally first forgot. First overall. Yep, I totally forgot about him. So when you look at it, yeah, you're right. Yakupov is in there, too. But to me, when you look at it, at the whole bigger picture of tanking, there's no place in it. You mentioned the NHL, but... If you're going to tank in the NHL, you have that spot. 
do people not understand this concept here? It's still a lottery in the NHL too. Yeah, I, I understand, but it's it's run a little differently than the NBA. Okay, yes, it is still. But the reason why I mention that it is still a lottery, yes, but it is run way differently. The NBA is straight run like a like a, a senior home bingo night. That's what it looks like to me. It's like a bingo night, and it just watching it on TV just makes me cringe. And I'm an NBA fan. And it makes me cringe. I think the tanking's a joke. I think the Pistons just need to go out and play some basketball. Go out and win some games, Faith. You just fired your head coach. You have this guy as a head coach. You should have brought in Lionel Hollins. They did not bring in Lionel Hollins. God knows why they didn't bring him. Now you have now you have guys ripping out. Now you have everyone second-guessing the roster, what to do. And I think it's just a joke. I think it's totally just a joke what the fans are saying about tanking. I, I, I know it's not all fans. So Piston fans, please do not kill me when I leave the studio. But when it comes down to it, enjoy your St. Patrick's Day. But when it comes down to it, look, some fans want you to tank. Some fans don't want you to tank. It's, a, it's, it's being a sports fan. You understand everything. It's full circle. Yes, I get it. But to me, go out and play and win some games because I think there'd be nothing better for the Detroit, Detroit Pistons and the city of Detroit than the Pistons making the playoffs, and maybe winning a couple games. I'm not saying advance, because they'll be in that eighth seed if they make it, and they'll probably get torched by Indiana. But if they steal one game out of that, look, when Milwaukee made the playoffs last year, they got swept by Miami. But look, they were in the playoffs, they filled some seats, and they got the fan base excited again. I think that's what it's all about, Faith. I do think that's all what it's all about. Just got to get that chemistry together, you know, work on their defense a little bit. And I think just come out and put the pieces together, hopefully, to... I, I mean, I really hope so because I think the Pistons. I don't think they need to tank. I don't think so. They, they, they're not. They're not cellar dweller. My favorite word in the. They're not cellar dweller in the East. I understand that if they tank, they have. They still have a legitimate chance of getting the number one overall pick. The counter argument of my argument that I just made. You look at Milwaukee. They're thirteen and they have thirteen wins right now, and there's not even a guarantee that they'll get the number one overall pick. Utah is the Lakers are in the running for a number one overall pick. The Lakers, they just announced last week Kobe Bryant out for the season. So when you look at it, I think it's a joke that we're talking about tanking because we should be talking about winning the basketball game. Closing thoughts, Lou, give me something. You know, Eastern Conference is just so weak in the NBA. The fact that the D- Detroit has a chance at 385 winning percentage is a blessing because of how terrible that they've played. You know? So true. I mean, when you look at the... Everybody seems to say, because it's true, they've had a terrible season, and they still have a chance to make the playoffs, and they're going to throw it away. I, I agree with you 100% on that. Uh, so, you know, my clothing thoughts are they've had a bad year. They're not going to get any better before the end of the year, but they could get to the playoffs and show some sort of pride, and I think that they need to do that. I couldn't agree more. Faith, what do you got for us? A little closing segment from you. No, a little, I, I agree completely with Lou. It's definitely a depleted conference, and uh... – I think play the rest of the season. We'll see how it goes. I think yeah, you got to agree with that. You got to play the rest of the season. But as my favorite, one of my favorite head coaches, Herm Edwards, would say, you play to win the game, listeners. You play to win them, guys. And that's really what it comes down to. So sorry, Cameron. I know you got to put your head in the kitchen a little bit, but you took a little burn, and we little roasted you a little bit on the back. Guys, always good to be with you, even if it's on the festive St. Patty's Day uh, evening. Nothing is better than spending my St. Patrick's Day here in studio with Faith and Lou. Feel better, Austin and Harry. I know you're out on athletic assignment, but go get him, Tiger. We do miss you here in studio. For everyone here in the pack, myself, Faith, and Lou, this is Fino signing off. You know the number every week. It's 517-432-3893 is our number. 
We're here every Monday from 7 to 8 in the basement of Holden Hall. Turn up East Lansing. Enjoy your St. Patrick's Day.